Holy Scripture is absolutely full of very memorable uh, lines. Each of us, if we have a little bit of time to think, I would imagine could kind of come up with a list of, of uh, if not exact lines, at least scenes from Scripture that speak particularly to us. Um, I had a, an opportunity to ask Deacon uh, what his was, uh, and uh, it kind of caught him off guard a little bit, but he thought a little, and he said uh, in First Peter, where it says, if you teach, teach well, if you preach, preach well, but do so for the greater glory of God. I'm not going to put Father Alls on the spot because I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I'm certain that he could come up with some lines as well. Um, many of them uh, we have, like today, we have John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God. This is my body. This is my blood. Uh, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, uh, there with Mary at the tomb of Lazarus. My, uh, my personal favorite, the line uh, that comes shortly thereafter, as Lazarus is coming out of the tomb, unbind him and set him free. Each of us in our own way could surely find something that speaks to us in particular. But today we have something different, a little bit of a different sort of line in Scripture, one that few, I would imagine, would point to directly and say, that's the line that speaks to me. And that line is, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Why does it matter? Why in the world was this even included? And in some ways, it speaks to the truth of Scripture just by the mere fact that it's there. If the writer of the Gospel of John was intent on fooling people, tricking people into believing something that he himself did not believe, why would he have added such an insignificant line? Why would he have spent time writing that? It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. But what this does for us is it points to exactly how meaningful this was for not only Andrew, but also for John, the other disciple that we assume was with Andrew as well. So John and Andrew, disciples of John the Baptist at first, but then John the Baptist, kind of out of nowhere, says, behold, here he is. This is the one I've been talking about. They've been with John the Baptist for a while. They've gotten used to his strange style and kind of just blurting out things every now and then. And this, though, this was different. This was present. This was uh, there. The Lamb of God is here. This one. This one is the one I've been telling you about. And so they went after him. They went after him and Jesus turns and says, what do you want? And they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Now to me, this is one of those awkward lines that two might not get much attention, but isn't that the kind of thing that someone would say if they're really looking to get to know someone? 
Think of a new best friend, perhaps, or in another situation, a romantic interest. Where are you staying? Tell me something about you. Let me get to know you a little bit. Open up. I want to know you. And so he did. He said, follow me. And they did. They went and spent some time in his home in Capernaum. They spent some time together. They sat in the presence of God made man. And if we can only imagine what that must have been like, to have his eyes look into their eyes, to have those words enter their ears, to be in the presence of the one that they had been waiting for. They had followed John for a while. John said he is coming and then pointed him out. And there he was. The time had finally arrived. They were there in God's presence. And it made such an impact on them that they remembered awkward kind of details. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Many of us, all of us in one way or another, no matter how old or young we are, have moments like this in our lives. For many of us, especially those of us 15 years or older, 9-11 is certainly one of those incidences. For those who are a little bit older than that, uh, the Challenger explosion. Many can point and say, this is exactly where I was, what I was doing, what time of day it was, how it felt. All of us can point back and say, that's about when it happened. We have these large events that affect many of us, natural disasters, things like that, maybe even the death of a celebrity or a politician. Tomorrow we uh, remember Martin Luther King. Those of an older generation can probably tell you exactly where they were when they learned that he had been assassinated. Moments like this etch their way into our being and we can't shake them as much as we may want to. And they happen to us on personal ways as well, both joyful and some sad. For instance, I'm sure that most mothers here could tell you exactly when their child was born. How about Grayson? When was he born? Well, 517, there you go. It was about five in the morning or in the evening? After 51 hours, she remembers that, 51 hours of labor. <laughs> but these details, they, they etch themselves into our hearts. Mothers and the birth of their children, um, the moments when family members pass. I certainly will never forget the time when I got the phone call letting me know that my brother uh, was dead. These moments find their way into our hearts and they stay. And that's exactly what John and Andrew are describing. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. It meant the world to them. And in many ways, they didn't know how to describe it. It's so powerful that really it's the small details that stick anyways. And they go, they can't stay the same. 
They encounter this presence. They sit in the presence of the divine. And Andrew goes and tells his brother, Simon. And Simon's like, okay, I'll go with you, fine. And they go, and what's the first thing that Jesus says when he sees Simon? He gives him a new name. And the crazy thing is, is Simon still stayed. He accepted the name Peter because that moment must have meant something to him. I don't know about you, but if I meet somebody new for the first time and he says, Adam, from now on, your name is going to be Edward. I'm going to be like, all right, uh, nice to meet you. I'll see you later. (laughs) But Peter accepted that name. It changed his life. It changed who he was. It changed everything about him. It was a momentous occasion. And it all started about four o'clock in the afternoon. Speaking of motherhood, on an aside, I want to point to our first reading, those many moments when a child uh, wakes up their parent at night. That's the vision I get when uh, Samuel keeps coming to Eli. I've, you, you called me. And Eli's like, no, no, I didn't call you. Maybe perhaps the next time your children wake you up in the middle of the night, you can say, the Lord's calling you. Say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Go back to bed. Go back to bed. But Eli is sacrificing. He has been called. He has encountered something that has changed his life. And he is willing to have this other kid wake him up numerous times throughout the night. He is willing to sacrifice. His life is different. He is willing to open up and to be present to others. And in the same way, we are called to have a similar encounter with Jesus Christ. An encounter that changes us, that calls us to sacrifice, that calls us to a new way of life. Many of our Protestant brothers and sisters, they will speak of the moment when they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And oftentimes, in fact, they will look at us and say, you don't really have that, do you? When were you saved? What moment was that for you? And my response is that we don't just have that once. Not to discount very powerful moments in prayer, not to discount uh, moments of revelation when encountering scripture or sitting alone before mass, praying, those are important. But as Catholics, we encounter God communally as well. We call those sacraments. And there's one sacrament in particular, it's going to be a trick question, but one sacrament in particular where we get to say, this is the moment when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior an adult faith, if you will, an adult living out personally, this is who I live for. Many of us, I would imagine, would assume that I'm talking about confirmation. And in some ways, that may be true, but not quite. Some, especially those who are going through RCIA, who are baptized later in life, 
then you may say baptism. And again, sort of right, but not quite there. I'm talking about the Eucharist. That moment when you come forward and the minister presents to you the body of Christ. And you say, amen. You say, yes, this is my God. It's an opportunity that we have not just once, not an opportunity that we can go back to and say, oh, this second, on this day, 20, 30 years ago. But it's a moment that we have every week, every day, if you so choose, a moment to look at Christ and see Christ gazing back at you and say, yes, this is a moment that will change my life. This is a moment where I have encountered God and God has called me to a new way of life. Peter, Simon Peter, John, Andrew, they left their lives from before. They didn't hold on to what they had in the past. They were new people. They, one had a new name. They were different. They had encountered something that would not allow them to stay the same. And they didn't. They followed him. If anything speaks to the truth of the gospel, it is that. That these ordinary men, these fishermen, left everything because they encountered something. Encounter him today. Encounter him in the Eucharist. And for the next couple of days for the next week, look back and say, that was my moment. Until you meet him again in the Eucharist, until you meet him again in your brother and sister, until you encounter him again. You encounter him today. Open your heart to that. Allow that presence to call you to a new way of life.